It's Tuesday, November 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio from Motley Fool Rule Breakers, Simon Erickson, and making his Market Foolery debut from Rule Breakers and Supernova, ladies and gentlemen, David Kretzman. Yeah, David, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here. It is a pleasure. To have you in the studio, at least you brighten up the place a little bit. Better than Simon, that's for sure. I'm doing what I can. You know, it, it's it's tough, but you're doing great. Well, thanks. Yeah, so far so good, man. So far so good. Thank okay. you, Mark. Uh, anytime, Simon. Anytime. All right, uh, plenty to get to today, including the future of, well, woolly mammoths, but we'll get to that. Uh, let's start with TJX, which is down today after announcing earnings. Not such a great quarter for TJX. Earnings fell, sales and same-store sales actually rose, but they missed estimates and most importantly, the company has lowered its outlook. Simon, let's start with you. What's going on with TJX? Yeah, you hit the, the high notes there, Mark. I'm, I'm not used to hearing companies blame an earnings miss on warm weather. Right. Normally, it's the other way around. But they said warm weather in Europe uh, was one of the things that, that, that cut their outlook for this quarter and, and the next. Um, comps are up 2%. I think that was a little underwhelming for Wall Street. They mm-hmm. did get some good traffic from their home goods line, uh, which was up 7%. But TJ Maxx and Marshalls was a little bit more sluggish. So, I mean, you know, this is a short-term kind of guidance that didn't hit Wall Street's expectations, stocks selling off accordingly. And looking across the, the different segments, you touched on this, the only decline I really saw, there was some sluggishness, but the only decline was in Europe with only a 1% decline. David, is Europe really so important to TJX that that's what's dragging it down? Or is it just sluggishness across the board. I would say sluggishness across the board. I don't know. What do you think, Simon? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, traffic's definitely something to keep a look at. You know, this is this is a currency exchange issue, stronger dollar right now. Warmer weather in Europe, you know, some spinning efforts right now. That's taking a hit to the bottom line, and hmm. I think that was something that, that the street didn't like to see. Well, they opened up over yeah, over 100 net new stores, um, bringing the store count total to 3,385. Uh, it's on pace to surpass the 169 stores they opened last fiscal year. Is TGX overreaching, or should, should they be focusing more on bolstering their efforts at home as opposed to building new stores? Well, I'm going to take the long-term view here. I'm going to say that TJ Maxx is on the discount rack right now. Oh, God. Wow. Nice. David, this is why we need you. This is oh, what man. I bring to the program. Um, uh, this is a company that always has excellent management. This is a really great long-term investment. I think that, that like we said, it's on sale right now. CEO Carol Myrowitz, um, you know, she really trains her buyers to be great decision-makers and long-term relationships with the people that they're purchasing from. The company consistently is is you know uh, churning out 50% returns on equity and have minimal capital expenditure needs. So what this means is you've got a, a you're really good at what you do. You've got a lot of extra cash, and that's really beneficial for shareholders. Companies raised its dividend 20% this year, and they're on pace to have bought back about 4% of their shares. I'm taking a long-term look on this, and I still think TJ Maxx is a great company. Nothing wrong with a long-term look. We kind of like that here. At the Indeed, yes. David. Do you agree? It's a, is it a is it a buy now? Retail's tough. So, for me, with any retailer, it's hard for me to get excited in that space. But it seems like TGX, I agree with Simon, if you're looking in that retail space, you could do a lot worse than TJX. Not a strong endorsement, but there it is. <laughs> Great stuff. Yeah, strong stand here from Not David Kressman. Right. <laughs> That's the spirit. Uh, all right, let's move on to Home Depot, which also announced earnings uh, early this morning. Mm-hmm. Things looked pretty good, all things considered. David, why don't you run us through the quarter? How do things look at Home Depot? Pretty good. I mean, again, prefacing this by saying, you know, retail is a tough space, but Home Depot is one of those companies that I don't think they can get Amazoned very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, they I think they have a nice moat when you compare them to Amazon or uh, Walmart. But yeah, sales were up uh, about five and a half percent to uh, twenty point five billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Same store sales were up, uh, you know, over five percent. 
Earnings up almost 14% to $1.5 billion. The company is generating strong free cash flow, buying back stock. When you're looking at retailers, it's hard to find one that looks better than Home Depot right now, especially considering the company's size. Pretty impressive numbers for uh, Home Depot this quarter. Way to contribute Amazon, turning Amazon into a verb. Man. I mean, I, I'm getting my money's worth here, right? <laughs> or you're getting your money's worth here. That's <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Great, great start. Um, so, okay, so one of the things that happened this past quarter in September, uh, there was a huge hack attack on Home Depot, uh, where 56 million purchase cards information uh, was stolen by hackers, as well as, it turns out, 53 million email addresses. You look at other retailers where this has happened, and it's happened pretty frequently actually over the last couple of months. But you look at Target, for instance, where they had a huge hack attack about a year ago now, and they just got kneecapped. They still haven't recovered over there. Whereas Home Depot just kind of cruised through. Uh, is that a result of, like you said, Home Depot's business model just being so strong? It can't be Amazon. It doesn't matter who hacks them, or is it just it was it was less of a uh, devastating attack? I suppose. What's the deal here? I mean, a pretty big attack when you think 53 million email addresses. So right. it, it is pretty big. Part of me wonders if it's just the market's kind of softened to these sort of things. Like, oh, yeah, another data breach. There it is. Right. Um, and I think it also might be uh, Home Depot's moat. Like, this is a strong business. It's going to be hard for any company, whether it's a brick and mortar retailer or an online retailer like Amazon, to displace Home Depot. So they might have a stronger foundation than someone like Target, where Target's trying to find kind of this in between. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. It also might just be that we're still trying to figure out exactly how this uh, data breach happened and what it means for Home Depot. So I think there's still more to this story, and it'll definitely be something to watch, you know, the next couple of quarters. All right, Simon. Next couple of quarters, how's Home Depot going to be doing? Housing market, so-so. Home Depot is going to keep on benefiting from that. Yeah, I think that's one of the keys. I, you know, I don't have numbers in front of me, but we are seeing a, a slowly improving housing right. market right now. You know, contractors and, and Home Depot is kind of core clientele is going to have to benefit from that. I, I still think this is a fine company for the long term. Like David said, let's keep an eye on how they handle this this hack. could happen to any retailer out there, but I think that how they handle this going forward is going to, going to say a lot, too. Are you guys Home Depot folks or Lowe's fellas? Home Depot is hard to beat in this space. And then mm-hmm. another thing to mention uh, or, or to watch, like Simon mentioned, you have uh, new housing starts and then also remodels. So as that housing market recovers, like Home Depot's done a really nice job of uh, bouncing back since the recession. And the housing market, you know, it still isn't at like those historic average levels as far as like new housing starts uh, and remodels. So I think there's still room for Home Depot to run. It's a clear leader uh, in this retail space. So Home Depot overloads for me. Hmm. Simon? Coke and Pepsi to me, man. Uh-huh. These guys, you know, they do so much based on what the other one's doing that I, I'm fine with either one of them, to be honest. Reasonable. Again, just just cruise down the middle with our opinions here, guys. <laughs> you don't want to, you know, you don't want to tip the boat. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, the main story from today, the main story from Monday, that's for sure, was Allergan, the maker of Botox, has accepted a takeover offer uh, from activists, uh, and, and this is a 66 billion dollar deal. It's been a long running battle between activists and Valiant Pharmaceuticals. Uh, David, first and foremost, is Allergan really worth $66 billion? Are people still buying Botox? I guess so. I mean, I'm not in the market yet, but I might have to <laughs> look into it. It seems like there's some value there. So I don't know, Simon. Maybe we're behind the trend here. What do you think? 
No idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, we're, this is this is the young crew in here. There's right. no need for Botox anytime soon. Okay, so Valiant. One of the reasons that Allergan really didn't want Valiant taking over is because Valiant has this slash and burn strategy where where they'll come in, uh, they'll take over a company, they'll just focus on whatever core uh, drugs the company is making, shed everything else, bring that drug to market. And profit, and they have profited hugely. Don't get me wrong, but this business strategy, obviously, it turned off Allergan. Is that the beginning of of a trend? Are, are other companies going to fall in line here with Allergan and say, "No, thank you, Valiant. We'd rather keep our jobs." Man, you know, Mark, this is a, another game of big pharma playing. Who who is more willing to break out the checkbook? Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to bid more to be the biggest company in the space? You know, sixty six billion dollar valuation, two hundred nineteen dollars a share. Um, this is this is kind of what Activist does. They're they're going after the blockbusters. Right. They they now will have a combined twenty four products and late stage clinical trials. Uh, this is a variety of products, skin care, eye care, stomach drugs, stuff like that. And they want the big hits, and that's definitely what they're going after for Allegan too. Uh, keep in mind, Activist has kind of been acquisition happy the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Forest Labs earlier this year for twenty eight billion dollars. Warner Chilcott last year for about six billion dollars. This is kind of what they do. They're based in Dublin. They have a lower tax rate. They're going after the block. Blockbusters that are going to make a really big hit. Hmm. Um, personally, I, I'm not really a big fan of this strategy. I, I don't like big pharma the way that it is. Um, we've got a, a, you know, I think that personalized medicine, you know, really is, is starting to benefit the smaller, more nimble players now. Hmm. And this is definitely not what you're doing if you're going after and doing some big game hunting. Uh, yesterday, you know, David and and that I, you know, the rule breaker scorecard saw Celdex uh, Therapeutics bo- uh, pop thirty percent on news that this very small company would have interim results that were very positive on treating brain cancer, very mm-hmm. big disease, very serious disease. But this is a company that only did four million dollars of revenue last year. This is a small R and D company. I think that with the advancements we're having in pharmaceutical right now. It favors the little guy, and uh, I just don't know if you can buy your way to growth right now. Okay, so who do you do you like anybody in pharmaceuticals these days in healthcare? Who, who are you looking at? There's a lot of research right now in uh, RNA interference. We've got a couple companies on the scorecard that are doing stuff like that. There's a lot of cancer immunotherapies that are really looking good. We like Celdex, like we said on the Rule Breaker Scorecard, but uh, you know, I. I I tend to think smaller, more focused companies is the way to play this space. Seems fair, uh, David. Any any. Anything on your radar, I suppose, for pharmaceuticals? You're not, you're not much of a pharmaceuticals guy, I, I guess. I mean, biotechs, yeah. I leave that stuff up to Simon right, and right. You know, Carl Thiel uh, with Rule Breakers. But no, I, I tend to agree with Simon that personalized medicine, if you're looking five to ten years out, that's probably where the future is headed, not so much with kind of more the, the dinosaur model of biotech or big pharma. Mm. Uh, so I think you know, venture capitalists, Simon and I have looked at uh, what some of the uh, VCs are investing in. You know, That trend toward personalized medicine is pretty clear. So I think over the next ten years, as Rule Breaker investors, uh, that's where you want to be looking. One of the interesting things we're looking at too is a lot of a lot of companies are conf- are kind of thinking about like the human body and the genome and stuff like that as a bunch of data hmm. that can be analyzed, and then you can use that to actually make new drugs that will focus on a, on a sp- particular person. So very interesting space. We've been taking a, a really close look at it in the last couple of months. All right, guys, that's cool and all, but let's get to today's <laughs> real topic: a woolly mammoth. Nicknamed Buttercup, was found perfectly preserved in snow and ice uh, out in Siberia last year. Uh, this thing was way past the expiration date, obviously, 40,000 years old. But because of the preservation, they found liquid blood inside the preserved body. Now, scientists at a biotech company in South Korea are testing that blood to see if they can come up with a complete set of DNA. And if they can, 
we could have woolly mammoths wandering around again. Has science gone too far, David? Are you okay with woolly mammoths coming back, making a comeback? I mean, personally, I'd like to see a woolly mammoth, you know, <laughs> running in the wild. Right. Uh, obviously, some other, you know, science issues to uh, consider that I'm, I'm personally not very well versed in, in those, uh, you know, moral dilemmas. Mm. Uh, but I think it's pretty cool that we can even have that conversation. Like, oh, yeah, bring a woolly mammoth back, you know, 40,000 years. What's that? Uh, Pretty interesting. I also want to, you know, give the person who named this Woolly Mammoth Buttercup. I think they deserve a raise. I think it's just a great name. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Simon, uh, if you if you could clone anything from say forty thousand years ago, the Cretaceous period. I don't know if that was actually the Cretaceous period or not. Uh, if you could clone a dinosaur. What dinosaur would you bring back? Jurassic Park style. You know, I'm going with Triceratops. Ooh. Seems like a friendly dinosaur. You know, this is not a, <laughs> a, a hunter or kill. I mean, this is a peaceful dinosaur, kind of a cool looking thing. I, mm-hmm. I vote for that, I guess. We're going to turn to Dan Boyd behind the glass in a moment. I want to give him preparation time so we can figure out what dinosaur he wants. Dave Kretzman. What dinosaur are you going to go for? Man, I need to, you know, read up on my dinosaurs again. It's been a while, but I mean, T-Rex, how can you not go with T-Rex? <laughs> See, I that's mean, how it's it a begins. lame answer, but I mean, <sighs> someone's got to be the T-Rex. I'm the T-Rex nah, guy. That's how it all, that's how the beginning of the end, man. Name, right. Named Buttercup, though. Name I'm, Buttercup, okay, of course. Okay, okay. Yeah, Buttercup 2, maybe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Boyd behind the glass. If you could bring back any sort of dinosaur, what would it be and why? Uh, Ankylosaurus, because it has a <laughs> ton of armor and a, a mace tail. Okay, a lot of armor and a mace tail. That seems like a good dinosaur to have around. Maybe keep it in the backyard, prevent robberies. Good, good. A safety dinosaur, of course. All right, Simon Erickson, Dave Kretzman, great job, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.